Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, the Law Student Series, and I'm your host, Aisha, lawyer, writer, and dog mom. Each week, we'll dive into the ins and outs of going to the UK for law school and what it takes to come back and qualify as a lawyer in Canada. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Ignite Podcast. As promised, this week we're going to be talking about the City Law School. So I'm going to try not to be a bit biased, but this is where I went. With this episode, I'm hoping that if you are in the process of trying to decide which school to go to, or if you're even thinking about going to law school abroad, that this might help you make that decision a little bit easier. City Law School is a part of the University of London, and it is located very centrally close to the square mile or what is also referred to as the city. This is the area of London where you have the stock exchange and all the big banks. You'll find St. Paul's Cathedral close by and the Gherkin, which is one of my favorite buildings in the city. And of course, a lot of the big law firms and chambers are located in the square mile, not too far from the university. The university itself is tucked in between Angel Tube Station and Farringdon Tube Station. Angel is where you'll find a busy, bustling high street with a movie theater, lots of little restaurants and shops, and Farringdon is tucked away in a little laneway. Again, lots of cute little restaurants. It's also the location of the famous Smithfield Meat Market, as well as the square where William Wallace was killed. For those of you who don't know, that's Braveheart. There's definitely a lot of distractions if you're a student at City. The school itself has honorable alumni such as Tony Blair, Margaret Thatcher, and Gandhi, to name a few, and it offers multiple different options for getting your law degree. At the undergraduate level, you can do the three-year LLB honors program, which is the option I took, although I wasn't an undergrad. The graduate courses include the Graduate Entry LLB or the Graduate Diploma in Law, which is the GDL. As a Canadian student, however, you don't want to look at the GDL as an option unless you plan on staying in the UK. With the regular three-year LLB honors undergraduate degree, your first two years cover the core legal subjects that are common to all undergraduate legal degrees. This includes contract law, criminal law, English legal system, equity and trusts, European Union law, land law, and tort. These subjects are also covered in the Graduate Entry LLB, but at a much faster pace. In the third year of your LLB, you actually get the opportunity to choose your courses, and you can split it up however you like. You get the option of deciding between full-year courses or half-year courses. Personally, I took six courses, which meant I took two full-year courses and four half-year courses. The school offers so many really unique options when it comes to electives, such as aviation law and Canadian constitutional law. Not a lot of law schools offer these programs, so it kind of sets City aside a little bit from others. Of the courses I took in my elective year, I took aviation law, which was very interesting, intellectual property, Canadian corporate law, Canadian constitutional law, and evidence. The staff at City is amazing, and especially when it comes to the electives and you can tell the professors are so interested about the subject they're teaching, it makes the course just even that more exciting. With the three-year program, your first year doesn't actually count towards your overall weight degree. 
This means that when they calculate your final grade when you're graduating, they're only weighting your second and third year at a 40% and a 60% for your third year. But that doesn't mean you can slack off in your first year because you still have to pass all your courses in order to be able to go on to second year. In a way, it kind of helps because your first year is a little bit of an adjustment, especially if you're coming from a different country and you're trying to figure out a different way of learning in a different school system. Speaking of which, getting used to the grading system, the first, second, all of that was a little bit difficult at first, especially when getting a mark in the 60s is actually considered to be really good. Now, I'm going to skip over the GDL, that's the Graduate Diploma in Law, just because it's not that relevant to Canadian students, especially if they're planning on coming back to Canada. But if it is an option that you are interested in going forward with, let me know and I will do my best to help you out with it. The Graduate Entry LLB is the two-year program which is open to students who already have an undergraduate degree. A lot of Canadians decide to take this option, and a lot of UK universities actually offer this option. The difference with this one is that apart from doing this in two years rather than three years, your first year would actually see you taking five courses rather than four full-year courses. So things are a lot more condensed when you're doing the two-year program. This also means that you don't get that first year grace period like you would in your three-year LLB program. In your second year, you have to cover the core subjects of equity and trusts, European Union law, and land law, and then you have the option of taking three electives as well. Three being two half years and one full year. This can be a little bit restricting, especially if you have a lot of different interests and you want to try different courses. A lot of the Canadians that I knew in this program generally stuck to taking the Canadian subjects basically the courses that would help them in the long run when they went back to Canada. So that would be Canadian constitutional law, Canadian corporate law, and then they might get to do one other half-year subject. In order to be able to be accepted into this program, you need to have at least a 3.0 in your undergraduate degree. It's definitely a fast-paced program. The other thing to keep in mind is that when you do a two-year degree, this means that when you come back to Canada and you have to sit for your NCA exams, you have to potentially do seven or eight exams, rather than if you were to do the three-year program, you'd only have to sit five. But that, of course, also depends on your grades. The NCA requires that you get at least 45% in a core subject. So that means land law, criminal law, contract law, all these courses, you need to have at least a 45% pass in order to be exempt from having to take that exam as an NCA exam. That means that the fail mark in the UK is actually 40%. So that's why getting a mark in the 60s is actually considered to be really good. And getting a mark in the 70s is amazing. That's like an A+. Beyond these two courses, if you decided that you wanted to stay in the UK, then you would have the option of deciding between either taking the bar professional training course if you want to become a barrister, and if you want to become a solicitor, you can take the legal practice course. City offers both of these, so you wouldn't have to go to any other school in order to qualify as a barrister or a solicitor. Of course, in Canada, when we pass the bar exam, we are both a barrister and a solicitor.
And for those who don't know, barristers are generally the ones that go to court, and solicitors are usually the business lawyers, the real estate lawyers, um, wills and estates lawyers, those types of lawyers, kind of the ones who do all the paperwork. City also offers LLMs if you decide that you don't want to do the barrister or solicitor training program, but you want to do an LLM, then you can do that once you've finished one of the LLB programs. City does have an online program, as well as in-class LLMs taught by world-class professors. Doing an LLM after your two-year graduate entry LLB program could actually help you have to take fewer NCA exams when you come back to Canada because you would have that one extra year of school. Alternatively, you can come back to Canada and do an LLM program at one of the law schools in Ontario, and some of those would actually negate you having to do the NCA exams. And I believe U of T and Osgoode are two of the law schools that actually offer the NCA negating LLM. When it comes to choosing city, I chose it purely because I wanted to be in London. I wanted to be where the action was. So that was an easy decision for me because I do love being in a big city. It was also super convenient because the tube station connected to Heathrow, so it was easy to come and go instead of having to take a one or two hour train ride into London and then take the tube to Heathrow and fly out from there, had I decided to go to one of the other coastal towns that I was considering. The City Law School is also fantastic for its proximity to the Magic Circle. This is the big law firms and the chambers of London. There are often guest speakers from some of the biggest firms like Allen and Overy and Eversheds at the school. And each year, the law fair has recruiters from firms such as Clifford Chance and DLA Piper. This is a fantastic opportunity for students who are interested in different firms to speak with recruiters to see what they need to put forward when they apply for vacation schemes. Students at City, I believe, are spoiled with opportunities, especially because we are in the center of London. Now, when it comes to our libraries, the university actually has two on the main campus, one being the main library and the other being the law library where I spent a lot of time. The law library is also in great location because it's very close to Exmouth Market, which I believe has some of the best coffee that I've had in my time in London. Unfortunately for you night owls, the law library during exam time closes around 10 o'clock. So this means you'd probably end up having to go to the general library, which is open much later during exam time. But for me, when it got dark outside, I couldn't study anymore. I'm definitely more of a daytime studier. In terms of accommodation around the city law school or city university, there is the option of a couple of student buildings. Now in London, a lot of the universities have general student buildings that as long as you're a student in London, you can live in these buildings. In my first year, I lived in one of these buildings close to King's Cross Station, about a 15-minute walk to campus. This was called Nido. Nido was a pretty good student building. It had quite a few amenities, such as a gym and a cafeteria and even a games room, and it had different options for living arrangements. You could have two rooms with a common kitchen, you could have a few rooms and a common kitchen, or you could have a studio. I had a studio, but let me tell you, it was tiny. And when I say tiny, I mean there was just enough room for the 
bare minimum, and that was it. A bed, a desk, and a tiny little kitchenette, and that kitchenette had two burners on the stovetop, a tiny little sink, and a tiny little microwave. But it was okay. It was my little place, my first home in London. I will never forget it, but I probably wouldn't live there again. There are definitely other student options around London, but I just chose Nido because of its proximity to the university. After my first year, I actually ended up renting an apartment not far from campus, again about a 15-20 minute walk, and I was very close to Barbican Tube Station. This place was great, but I do suggest that if you are going to rent on your own, just make sure that you budget for the extra expenses that you're going to have to pay for if you're not living in a student building. That means you're going to have to pay for your internet, your TV if you have one, um, and you're going to have to pay for your electricity. As a student, you don't have to pay council tax, but if you decide to stay on after school, you will have to pay council tax when you're not a student any longer. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Some of my classmates found houses that had a spare room for rent, and others decided to stay in student accommodations for the duration of their degree. It really all comes down to personal preference and how much money you want to spend because If you don't live in student residence and you don't have roommates, living on your own is extremely expensive, especially if you want to live in central London. And that's the main overview of City Law School. If I didn't cover something that you really want to know, I'm always happy to answer your questions, so please reach out to me by any forms of my social media, and I will get back to you as quickly as I possibly can. In the coming weeks, I'm going to be talking to lawyers who also went to the UK for law school, and I'm going to get their perspective on their schools. This includes schools like Queen Mary, Leicester, and Exeter. Of course, if you have any specific requests, again, reach out to me and I'll do my best to get someone from there too. Next week, I'm going to be talking all about the law practice program that is offered through Ryerson as an alternative to articling in Ontario. So I hope you'll join me for that because it's pretty interesting and I had some pretty good experiences when I went through it myself. Until then, have a great rest of your week. That's it for this week's episode of the Ignite podcast. Be sure to visit my website, ignitelaw.ca, for blogs and to sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss out on a single thing. Or you can find me on Facebook at Ignite Law and Instagram at ignitelaw underscore T-O. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It means so much to me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back in your ears next week.